Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Good night. Good to see you tonight. Amen. I can kind of see you. Some of you will catch that later. Amen. I'm so grateful to be in America. Oh, listen, listen. I don't care what they tell you. Uh, it's good to be in America. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, I, I didn't know all what that meant until the last few years. It's become, you know, last year or so, it's become very, very real. My, as uh, uh, Pastor Garrett mentioned, my family and I, we've been in Barbados for the last year. Uh, and Barbados has been on extreme lockdown. There was a period where we could not leave our home uh, for about, I'd say, about two to three months. You literally couldn't leave your house unless you were going to the supermarket. And you could only go to the supermarket on two days of the week based off your last name for four-hour intervals. And so if you've ever been in a, you know, in a state where you have four children... Uh, you can't even get eggs. You can't get bread and you don't know anybody in a country and you're there to pioneer. I want to tell you, uh, it is good to be in America. Uh, and so I understand we have been fasting. Because some of you are looking at me like a cheeseburger. <laughs> but the truth of it is, listen, if it helps you at all, I've been fasting as well. We got in uh, Monday uh, overnight, uh, Monday morning. I have yet to have McDonald's fries. I have yet to have a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And so uh, I'm, I'm hungry as well. And so, but God's going to help us tonight. I do uh, want to express my, yeah, give it up for Chick-fil-A. Amen. <laughs> I do want to express my, my gratitude, appreciation for uh, uh, Pastor Warner, your pastor. I just, you know, I was thinking as uh, yeah, I've been hearing he's been a little ill and uh, just been praying for him, believing God. But, you know, uh, think about Hebrews 11. I mean, you know, if anybody uh, belongs in that, that hall of faith, amen, I, I believe Pastor Warner, he's a hero of the faith. And so I've, I feel very privileged anytime I stand behind this pulpit. Pastor Garrett, Pastor Alvin's been a longtime friend. And so I am so, so grateful to be here, the staff, Leonard, et cetera. So let's see what God wants to say. Tonight, I am not going to preach about Donald Trump. Some of y'all almost walked out right now. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me uh, to 2 Samuel, and I want you to keep your Bibles open to 2 Samuel, because we're going to examine uh, this text. But there's a lot of scriptures here, and we're going to kind of weave through this as quickly as we can. But as you turn there, I just open with this. On January 3rd of 2016, I was awakened by a text message at about 5.30 in the morning, I received a text message, and the text said, Hello, Pastor. I don't know if you heard, but Juan Picasso hung himself last night. When I saw that, I was kind of looking at this text on my phone. You can imagine I'm, it's early in the morning. It's a Sunday morning. I'm trying to decipher if I'm really seeing what I'm seeing, and Sure enough, Juan Picasso, I was now pastoring in Chandler, Arizona, as Pastor Garrett mentioned, assisting Pastor Campbell. But Juan was a disciple in our church, in our time there as we pastored in North Carolina. And when I get this text, I kind of wake up. It's from the door director back in the church. His name's Bobby. 
And so I get on the phone immediately. I call Bobby and I said, Bobby, what, what is this text? What's going on? He said, yeah, pastor, I don't know all the details, but his wife, uh, Zena, was on uh, the phone uh, with Juan's wife, Julia, and she told him that she found her husband hanging in the bathroom uh, this morning before she got up to go to work. And he's explaining this to me. And so I said, okay, Bobby, I'll talk to you later. I immediately called uh, Julie and I, I talked to Julie and I, I answered, I pick up, she picks up the phone. She's weeping. Uh, she's now, they're living in Texas. And she says, pastor, I don't know what happened last night. We were having a great time. We were having a fellowship. We had people at the house. Uh, now Juan and Julie had stopped going to church, uh, but uh, she was still using, you know, Christian terms, fellowship terms. She said we were fellowshipping last night. Uh, everything seemed to be fine she said but when I woke up this morning she said I tried to get the bathroom door open because I had to get ready for work and long story short without being too graphic she said when I was able to finally jar the door open there was her husband hanging behind the door and Juan and Julie were upper 20s they had five young children at this time I believe their oldest was about eight or nine at the time and she's weeping. She's saying, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't. And she's hysterical, as you can imagine. I said, I pray with her. I said, Julie, listen, I, I'm headed to church. But when I, when I get out, to, I'm going to call you. We'll figure it out. I ended up doing the funeral a couple weeks later and so on and so on. But when I hung up that phone, I immediately stopped. I said, God, what in the world? What in the world is going on? And I'm wrestling my brain and on and on. And as I'm thinking about this, I vividly heard the Spirit of God to say to me, Tori, do you know what, do you recall what Juan always had you pray with him concerning? And right away, I knew exactly. I said, yeah, God, it was always bitterness. Juan would always have me pray for him concerning the issue of bitterness. He would be, you know, in an argument with his wife, and he'd be very upset. He'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm getting very bitter uh, at Julia, and we would pray. Uh, and then later, he would. Uh, he was in the military, so, you know, he was in E5, and if people got promoted over him that he felt it was unfair, he would always say, Pastor, pray for me. What's the issue, Juan? I'm getting very bitter at my superiors, uh, and on and on. And as I'm thinking this through, the Spirit of God said, Tori, it is not uh, necessarily suicide that took one's life, but bitterness took his life. If they were to do a spiritual autopsy, I have no doubt in my mind that what they would find at the root of it all would be bitterness. I want to tell you tonight that bitterness is a suicidal spirit. Bitterness the Bible talks about over and over again, but I would contend with you tonight, just as it is, uh, you know, we say people, you know, overdose on alcohol, and we say alcohol took their life, or drugs, we say drugs took their life. Listen, it is possible to overdose on bitterness. Bitterness can take your life. I want to preach to you tonight on the root of bitterness. One man said, pride is something we are born with, but bitterness is something you embrace along the way. I want to look at a man who also hung himself, and we'll see that this man was also filled with bitterness. 2 Samuel 17, verse 23, says these words, Now, when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed... He saddled a donkey, he arose, went home to his house, to his city. He put his household in order and he hanged himself and died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. Hallelujah. God, we come tonight by your grace, your mercy. We thank you for all that you are, all that you do. I pray, God, you would give us an understanding, God, a revelation concerning, God, this spiritual disease. I'm asking you, God, uh, in this hour of COVID, God, let us not fear, God, but let us understand even greater roots, uh, greater destructive forces. I'm asking you tonight to help us uh, set every captive free in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, a root of bitterness. Now, as I was studying for this sermon, I 
got my concordance out and I did what a lot of people do. I tried to, you know, find the law first mentioned where it is. Uh, you know, bitterness was first mentioned in the Bible. And of course, uh, if you're a student of the Bible, you know that in Exodus chapter 15, the Bible first mentions this issue of bitterness. And I want to just lay out a, a few things before we get into the sermon, a few uh, 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 marks of bitterness, if you will, uh, that we'll find in our text. And I want to lay this out because if you can grasp uh, this text right here, then you'll know pretty much everything you need to know concerning the issue of bitterness. And so Exodus 15 verse 22 says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to the tomorrow, they could not drink the waters of Marta, for they were Bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, and the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right. Somebody said, And do what is right. In his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, the text that I just read, it is a very interesting time. Uh, Israel, we know, has just been delivered from 10 incredible plagues, uh, 400 years of bondage. Uh, they have just been delivered out of Egypt. Uh, they have gotten through the Red Sea. Uh, they have seen the Egyptian army completely destroyed. Uh, it is a picture uh, of salvation and baptism. It is a glorious, glorious time. Earlier in chapter 15, verse 1, it says that Moses and the people are singing a song to the Lord. Lord about triumph and victory. They are singing about, oh, how good is our God and how great is his majesty. Miriam, the Bible says she is Moses' sister. She grabs her tambourine and she begins to sing. And so I'm laying the, the backdrop here. Everybody's singing. Everybody's rejoicing in the goodness of God. And then we read our verse, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went up to the wilderness of Shur, and when they found no water, verse 23, uh, they could not drink the water of Marah, for they were bitter. Now, isn't it interesting, uh, in the same chapter that there's a song, there's bitterness. This, beloved, I believe, gives us the first understanding of bitterness that I want you to grasp tonight, and that is, bitterness likes to hide behind smiling faces, Bitterness likes to hide behind kind words. It likes to hide behind doing things for God or being involved in his kingdom. Here are the children of Israel in our text. They are singing a song to the Lord. And just moments later, almost even the same breath, they're bitter. You know, it's possible we just had a glorious song service. It is possible to come lift our hands lift our voice to the Lord, rejoice in his goodness, and all the while, bitterness can be in our heart. Our text says that they could not drink the water because the water was bitter. That gives us the second understanding. Bitterness destroys anything and any place where there is life. How many know life, uh, water is the, the very essence of life, uh, the rivers of living water. The Bible says the Holy Spirit uh, is referred to as living water. Jesus, we know, is the life giver. Uh, and this is why bitterness will destroy your relationship with God, perhaps uh, like nothing else. Uh, bitterness will destroy a church. Uh, bitterness will destroy your marriage. Anything uh, that is a life-giving source, uh, bitterness will try to kill. The third thing, bitterness lives beneath the surface. Over and over, the Bible refers to it as a root of bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, uh, cause trouble, and by this many be defiled. In our text, bitterness was in the water. 
And the idea there is that you would have never known that the waters were bitter just by looking at them. In other words, they first had to drink the water because bitterness had worked its way on the inside of the water. See, other emotions, anger, jealousy, they may be the branches or the leaves, but many times at the root is bitterness. Number four. Bitterness always enlists other people. Bitterness likes to run in packs. Our text says all the people murmured and all the people complained against Moses. You know what I found out about bitterness is bitter people always have to tell other people how they've been wrong. And so as much as bitterness likes to hide beneath the surface, uh, at the same time, uh, it is hard to keep bitterness to ourselves. Uh, I like to call it the bonding of bitterness. I used to smoke cigarettes for a little bit. I know you don't believe that. I know it's pretty gross. But uh, one of the things when I would smoke cigarettes, how many can recall this? You're at work or something and you're going to smoke cigarettes and you you have to like invite somebody else along. Hey, bro, you want to go outside? I need to have a smoke. Oh, yeah, man, I'll go smoke with you. Or for ladies, you do this when it's time to use the restroom. Hey, so I'm going to go use the bathroom. You want to come with me? Oh, yeah, sure, I'll run with you. Now, how many know if, if a guy got ready to go to the bathroom and he said to you, come on, bro, you want to go to the bathroom with me? Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> I know it's 2021, but it ain't that kind of party. This is how bitterness works. In other words, what is the point or what is the good of being bitter uh, if you're not going to let anybody know about it? Fifth thing is everybody has something to be bitter about. In other words, there's not a person here if you wanted to or if they so desire, you could find something to be bitter about. Something in their past, something that was said, something that was done or not done. In other words, if you want to be bitter, it is very easy to find something that will make you bitter. Again, our text says that the water made them bitter. I mean, you know, when something as simple as water can make you bitter, anything can make you bitter. The sixth and final thing is bitterness alters your memory. In our text... This is a very real problem that the children of Israel are facing. The inability to find suitable drinking water is a very significant problem. But how many know they had just experienced the Lord's miraculous power over what? Water. He had just divided the Red Sea. And so they had just saw God do this. It was an unforgettable miracle. And yet they forgot. You know, the irony of this whole issue with bitterness is that it alters your memory. Bitter people tend to always rewrite their history. When spouses get bitter, you've heard it before. It's like they can't remember one good thing about their spouse. When people get bitter at the church, they can throw away years of great memories just like that in a moment. You can play the video. You know, they say there's nothing good. I hate that church. But listen, you can show the video a couple years ago where they were getting baptized or they stood up and gave a testimony. Oh, how great this church. I I don't know where I would be without this church. But the moment they get bitter, they can't remember any of that. Now, having laid all of that as a foundation, let me define bitterness for you. What is bitterness? It is the unresolved violation of your justice system. I got that because when I was speaking to Bobby, I said, Bobby, do you know anything about Juan and Julia's marriage? He said, Pastor, I don't know. All I know is for the last couple months, their marriage was really bad, and he had a lot of unresolved issues. The unresolved violation of your justice system. So I'd submit to you tonight that the strongest emotion in all of our beings, it is not love, it is not joy, it is not fear. The strongest emotion in every one of our beings, I believe, is the emotion of justice. We can survive people not loving us. 
We can survive loneliness. I know the Bible says it is not good, but we can go on. But when our justice system is violated, and don't misunderstand me tonight, God created us in his image, and no doubt one of the moral attributes of God is justice. But when our justice system is violated, then anything, any degree of rebellion, any attitude, any disobedience, we feel justified. All you got to do is look at the riots. What's happening is people are saying, my justice system was violated, so don't talk to me about rebellion. Because any degree of rebellion is okay once I feel like I've been violated. I mean, no, there's two problems with our justice system. Number one is our perspective. We know that God can see the end from the beginning. He's looking uh, backwards, if you will. We tend to lean more on fairness. uh, And the problem with fairness is that fairness is subjective. Uh, Justice is eternal. In other words, uh, when you and I look at something uh, and we say, God, it's not right. Uh, God, it's not fair. Uh, This isn't just. Uh, But God, who can look from the end to the beginning, can say, listen, take it easy. I know what I'm doing. You know the story, of course, of ASAP, Psalm 73. He is a good man. He is serving God. He is in the house of God. But uh, the Bible says that Asaph, uh, he saw something that he felt just wasn't right. uh, That as he's serving God and praying and fasting uh, and coming to church on Wednesday nights uh, and he's looking at his neighbors uh, or he's looking at the unrighteous people uh, who are thinking nothing of God. Uh, They're turning their backs on God. They're living wicked. Uh, And he said, he said, I saw something. Uh, He said, it almost caused me to fall. What did Asaph see? He said, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, he said, it's not right. It's not fair. But the Bible says he did something. He said, until, until I went into the house of the Lord and God showed Asaph, he showed him their end. In other words, God sent Asaph, listen, uh, you're about to make decisions uh, based off a chapter, uh, and there is an entire book. Uh, Asaph, listen, you don't understand the end. Uh, and I thank God because the Bible says uh, when he went into the house of the Lord, listen, thank God for church. Thank God that we have a place when when our mind is all over the place, uh, we can come into the house of God and we can walk out with some clarity. Uh, he said, I went into the sanctuary. You know, I don't always know what God is doing. Many times I can't even explain what is going on in my own life at a given time. But one thing I know and one thing I have settled in my heart, I know that God is a just God. Second problem with our justice system is how many know we have a depraved nature? Oh, you didn't know that? Okay, well, that's good. That's, good. that's why I'm here. That's why they brought me all the way from Barbados. Tell us something we don't know. Okay. Titus 1.15 says, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled, and we, nothing is pure. And he's talking about our heart. So I have these two filters. This is, a, this is what he means. This is a dirty filter, right? This is a picture of your heart. And so here's what Titus is saying. He's saying when our hearts are defiled, when our hearts are dirty, he's saying listen, anything that comes through that, it can be pure, it can be right motive, right intent. Oh, it can sound wrong, it can seem wrong. He said, but it can be totally pure. How's your day, brother? He says, if our hearts ain't right, we like, what you mean by that? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying, how's your day? Yeah, 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 but, but you ain't say that yesterday. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right? He says, when our hearts are defiled, he says, nothing's, nothing's pure. But the opposite is also true. He says, when your heart's right, people can have malintent. People can say things to you, and you'll filter it through this clean heart, and it'll come out on the other side. What? Clean. He says, to the pure, all things are pure. You're not looking for wicked motives. You're not, why did they do that? What do they mean by that? He says the issue is not what they're doing. The issue is the heart that's processing it. Sometimes we say it's not right, but it may be right. But if we can't resolve it, we'll get bitter. In our text, they are in the middle of the desert. 
They've gone three days without water. God, this isn't right. You bring us out here to die. And they can't resolve it. And so they get bitter. Verse 24 says, and the people murmured. (laughs) I always love murmuring. You know what murmuring is? Quiet complaining. Yeah, I know what pastor said, but. Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this Sermon Podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine. The list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. Oh, I understand, but see, see, I've been around. I've seen some things. Talk later about the cure for bitterness. I want to look at our text and examine this case study for bitterness. This man, Ahithophel. Now, just to give you a little backdrop, when we get to our text, David, we know, is king, but he is about to lose his kingdom to his own son, Absalom. By the way, Absalom is a very, very bitter man. He has an unresolved issue against his father. If you know the story, his sister Tamar was raped by his brother uh, Amnon. And the Bible says that their father, David, basically did nothing about it. The Bible says he he got angry, um, but we're left to believe that was really all he did. He felt bad about it, but he didn't do anything about it. So the Bible says that two years passed since this violation and David still hasn't done anything to punish punish Amnon and so this bothered Absalom and long story short Absalom decides since my father didn't do anything about it since my father didn't bring justice I'll bring justice you know the story he works up a whole scheme and he brings his brother out there and long story short he kills him now when David finds out that uh, uh, Absalom is murdered Amnon, Amnon the Bible says that David banishes Absalom to a city called Geshur and he totally kicks him out of the kingdom now here's the seed or the root of bitterness because Absalom's thinking wait a minute This son of yours violated your daughter, and you did absolutely nothing. I simply took justice. I simply did what you should have done, and now you kicked me out of the kingdom? It's not fair. It's not right. And here goes the seed of bitterness. This is how it plays out in families. This is how it plays out in churches. I got disciplined for that. But they did the same thing. Mom and dad didn't do anything to them. I got sat down from ministry because of this. But what they did was far worse. Nothing happened. Pastor didn't even address it. He's playing favorites. It's not fair. 
It's not right. Not only was Absalom bitter, but David was also bitter. He did not want to let his son back into the kingdom. And if you know the story, his servant Joab worked out this whole scheme. He brought this woman from Tekoa, this wise woman. Uh, she began to tell a story uh, about, you know, her two sons, how one murdered the other. Uh, and she tells this whole story. And then she says to David in 2 Samuel 14, 13, uh, Why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of God? For the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty and that the king does not bring his banished one home again. Then she says, yet God does not take away a life. Even he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled forever. So she says all this and David says, okay. He decides to bring Absalom home, but you can tell he's still bitter because in verse 24 of chapter 14, listen to what David says. And the king said, let him return to his, his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but he did not see the king's face. In other words, okay, he can come home, but I don't want to see his face. Isn't this like us? Oh, we cool, we cool. Just don't say nothing to me. (laughs) Oh, it's cool, it's fine. I just better not see him. Oh, bro, you still bitter? No, I'm not bitter. Verse 28, Absalom dealt two full years in Jerusalem and didn't see the king's face. So three years in Gesher, now two more years. They haven't spoken. They can't even look each other in the eye. Why? Bitterness. Think about the separation that bitterness has caused in this father and son relationship. See, it's amazing to me when bitterness is involved, people who were once close can distance themselves for years. Remember back in Exodus, I told you one of the marks of bitterness is it destroys anything where there's life, namely relationships. Thank God in our text, David eventually gets his heart right. He forgives Absalom, but in 2 Samuel 14, 32, listen to this. And Absalom said to Joab, why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to still be there. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face. And so Joab went to David and told him, And David called for Absalom, and Absalom came to King David and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and David kissed Absalom. Now, on the surface, this looks like two people are getting their heart right. Have you ever been having an ought with somebody? And listen, if you're saved, if you're really filled with the Holy Spirit, don't tell me that you can just go on and on for years and never get it right with folks. Because the Holy Spirit will deal with you eventually. You need to go and make that right. So David is doing that. David is getting his heart right. They're going through the customary bowing of heads, kissing of hands. But like I told you, bitterness likes to hide behind smiling faces. David is getting his heart right, but Absalom is not. And so Absalom is going through the motions, and so he goes through all the customary. But have you ever done that? Have you ever worked up the the unction to go, okay, man, I'm going to be the bigger person? However you bring your prideful self to do it. You say, man, I'm going to just be the bigger person. And you go and you say, man, I'm sorry. And they say, yeah, I'm sorry. Or sister, you know what? We need to put this behind. And they did it. And you go through all of that, and you, okay, cool, we're good. Praise the Lord. And you walk away, you're like, it ain't over. You walk away and you know that cloud is still there. Oh, we went through all the little perfunctories and all the little emotions, but it's still there. In our text, Absalom is just going along with the program because the Bible says in his heart, he still wants to take David out He's still after David's kingdom. And so out of this bitterness, the Bible says uh, he walks away from that apology um, and he still is trying to turn David's, the, David's men's hearts uh, over to himself. Uh, chapter 15, verse 4 through 6. I want to read it because I want to show you this word. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land. And everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me. Then I would give him what? said, y'all don't need that. So what he would do is David's men would have a, they would go to David, they had advice, they would go to have a counseling session, and Absalom would cut them off and say, 
You don't need to go talk to the pastor. He don't know nothing about justice, no way. I can talk to you. I'll help you, brother. I'll help you, sister. And the Bible says he would interrupt David's men because he was trying to steal their hearts. But what is interesting, what the Bible says in verse 7, now it came to pass after 40 years. We know that this wasn't, uh, you know, 40 years uh, in, a, in the natural sense because David's kingdom only lasted 40 years. Absalom was born after, after David had already uh, re, uh, assumed the kingdom. And so uh, uh, most scholars believe that this was after David was first prophesied to be the king. But my point is, more than anything else, this has been going on for a long time. And it gives you and I a very clear indication of just how long bitterness can live beneath the surface. Absalom, it says, sent spies through all the tr- children or tribes of Israel, and he said, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, you shall say, Absalom reigns. And Absalom, verse 11, you got to see this, and Absalom with, went 200 men invited from Jerusalem, and with Absalom went 200 men, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Remember, I told you in Exodus, bitterness always has to enlist other people. And most of the time, like in our text, those people are innocent. They have nothing to do with your situation. But bitterness always has to plead its case, and its aim is to turn other people's heart against the one it's bitter at. I wonder how many innocent people have been lost because of the bitterness of others. Verse 12 of our text, and I move quickly. Story takes an interesting turn because it says, Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor. And the conspiracy grew strong or stronger for the people with Absalom increased in number. Now, If you ask a question, if you're going to have a conspiracy and you're thinking of taking somebody's kingdom, would the first person you call to help you be that person's right-hand man? Probably not. But our text says when Absalom decided to take the kingdom, the Bible says he called Ahithophel David's counselor. David's right-hand man. David would get counsel from Ahithophel before he would do battle or go to war. And so this is not the person you would ordinarily call unless you know something about that individual. I'll make a statement to you and you can finish it. Birds of a feather. You know, I don't know any area this is more true than the area of bitterness. Bitter people find bitter people. Listen to me. If you have an unresolved violation of your justice system, you have to feed that. Now, their situation may be very different than yours. Ahithophel's bitterness has nothing to do with Absalom's bitterness, but bitter people find bitter people. They feed off each other, and it's, it's interesting to me. The Bible says that when these two people came together, the conspiracy grew stronger. Pharisees and Sadducees didn't get along at all. They actually held contradictory doctrines, but one thing they absolutely had in common was their hatred for Jesus. Absalom says, go get Ahithophel, he'll join me. And I'm going to, and now Ahithophel comes and you can see that Ahithophel, he starts to tell Absalom, look, man, don't even worry about it. You don't even have to go to war. Just give me your soldiers. I will go take David out for myself. You don't have to worry about it. And it's going on and on. And uh, uh, he takes 12,000 of his best men. He's working up a strategy, Ahithophel is. But the question we have to ask is why is Ahithophel bitter and why towards David? Let me first say a few things about Ahithophel before I tell you why he's so bitter. Ahithophel has a testimony of a saved man. 
Many things give us an indication, again, not to belabor you, but before our text, he is worshiping God. He is actually uh, singing praises as well. He sacrificed to God. He, and so uh, we, we understand that. But also, 2 Samuel 16, 23, it says he spoke for God. Now, the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God, so was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and Absalom. The Bible says that when he spoke, it was like God himself was speaking. You ever ask somebody for advice or gone to your pastor for counseling? And it's like, it's like they know exactly, they say, they said, man, that was God. That was God. The Bible says Ahithophel had this testimony that when he spoke, when he gave counsel, people walked out of that room and said, man, I have heard from heaven. One of the most incredible passages to me in all the Bible. And I say that because I'd like to reiterate listen, you can have a bitter heart and still do the work of the Lord. Oh, but I'm doing things for God. I'm, you know, I'm serving. I'm admitting. I know. Here's a good man doing awesome things for God, and yet he is bitter. Why? Interesting fact, you have to know about Ahithophel if you're going to understand. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 3. It happened in the spring of the year. It's about David and Bathsheba. At the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab, his servants, with him and all his when they destroyed the people of Amnon, besieged Ramah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed, walked on the roof, and from the roof saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful to behold, so David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, is this not Bathsheba? the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. That daughter of Eliam is very, very critical because Ahithophel is Eliam's father. In other words, Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather, or Uriah is his grandson-in-law. And so the whole thing with David and Bathsheba is that is his granddaughter, Bathsheba. Now, Ahithophel is living in the kingdom. He's David's right-hand man. And all the while, he is watching people walk around the kingdom saying, Oh, David, that David, he's a man after God's own heart. Oh, David, I know Saul is slaying his thousands, but David is slaying his ten thousands. And year after year after year of watching people praise David, all the while Ahithophel's thinking, you don't know what I know. He's an adulterer. He's a murderer. And he's watching. And this root of, it's festering, man. He's thinking, this ain't right. This is not right. It's made him very, very bitter. And it was out of that bitterness that he gave counsel to Absalom. Thank God we know that God always, the, you know, how I many know God also has counselors? God sends a man who's shy to give counsel uh, to Absalom, say, listen, don't listen to Ahithophel. And that is where we get our scripture that Ahithophel, when he saw that his advice was not taken, he went and he hung himself. Uh, and so the idea there I'm saying is that bitterness, listen to me, uh, uh, this is the last stage of bitterness. Uh, when bitterness uh, is full grown, it ends in suicide. Listen to me carefully, a couple things and we're going to pray. The root of every suicide is bitterness. The root. I'm not talking about the trunk, not talking about the branches. The root of every suicide, whether we are talking or speaking physically or spiritually, it is an unresolved violation of our justice system. Somewhere they hated what God did. Uh, they hated the way they were made. They hated their family. Uh, there was some unresolved issue that they could not live with. Uh, and so they took the final act of justice. I'm taking my own life. Again, this young man, Juan, can you pray for me over and over? Listen, if you have suicidal thoughts, if you have thoughts, I'm not just talking about taking, if you have thoughts of killing your marriage, you have thoughts of walking away from God, mark it down. Listen, there's bitterness in your heart because the bottom line in bitterness 
is you don't trust God. Listen, bitterness is a suicidal pact with Satan. I was uh, getting interviewed to be a chaplain at the uh, Phoenix police station. And the guy who was interviewing me, he was just going through some of the codes. Uh, he said, listen, if you hear, you know, uh, these different numbers on, on the radio, you know, if you hear 911, of course, it's emergency. So saying if you hear triple zero, uh, that means uh, uh, there's a family abuse. Uh, and then he said something so incredible. He said, if you're ever on the radio and you hear 666, it's a suicide. I said, he just kept talking, but I was, two thoughts and we pray. Remember I showed you 2 Samuel 11, Bathsheba was a dart of Eliam. It's also something very interesting about Eliam, 2 Samuel 23, 34. David is at the end of his life, and the Bible says he records 37 men who the, he, he said they stood by me. They were his mighty men. They were his right-hand men. And he records the name of 37 men who had his back, who fought with him and for him, his loyal supporters. And there in verse 34, it reads, Eliphetah, the son of Ahabai. Yeah, I'm jacking that all up. But anyway, the son of Machabah. Eliam, the son of Ahithophel. When I read that, I said, Eliam? Eliam had your back? Bathsheba's father? So what does that tell us? Tell us that whatever Ahithophel could not process, Eliam was able to process. Some people said, you know, what made one man bitter made another man better. Eliam said, you know what, bro? I know what you did. It wasn't right, but I'm going to leave it with God. In fact, so much so, I'm going to leave it to God. I'm not just going to, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I accept your, oh, yeah, it's over. He said, no, no, no. When you die and you start thinking about the people who have blessed your life the most, you're going to have to think about me. My name's going to be there. Because I had to leave that thing with God, man. I couldn't carry that. He left it with God. And the Bible says, it made all the difference. It is not what happens to us, but it is how we process what happens to us. That is why Exodus says, you know the scripture, right? when they found the bitter water, the Bible says they took a tree and they threw the tree in the water. And you and I know that tree is a picture of the cross. Why, what does that have to do with bitterness? Because if anybody was treated unfairly, if anybody has a right to say, I'm innocent, this ain't even cool, man. What y'all did to me, if anybody could plead their case, it would be Jesus himself. So what is he saying? When we have bitterness, we ain't got to bring it to each other. We ain't got to just bring it to the foot of the cross. Lay it at the cross and say, you know what? I know somebody who was treated way worse than me, and somehow they were able to process it. To say, you know what? Forgive you, bro. It's over. It's done. I'll take it on. It's a root of bitterness. I should bow your heads with me. God, we thank you for the grace of God, for the blood of Jesus. You're here tonight, and I just want to give you an opportunity. Listen, I appreciate your patience, but I believe God tonight. See, we have been praying and fasting, and no doubt, Part of that prayer sometime is, God, I need you to search my heart. God, if there be anything found in me tonight, maybe God is speaking to you. And before we deal with the issue tonight, maybe you're here tonight and you're not saved. You're not right with God. You're not a Christian. You're not born again. Listen, I am pastoring in one of the most religious places I believe on the planet. Every single school in Barbados has a church attached to it. In other words, to go to school is to go to church. Everybody knows about God. But it is one of the most immoral, filled with drunkenness and alcohol and debauchery and, and immorality and adultery and all types of wickedness. 
It's not enough to just know about God. Listen, we've got to get our heart right with God. And you're here tonight and you're under the sound of my voice and you've come. You say, Pastor, I really want to get right with God. It is 2021. Maybe you can look and see. There's a lot of chaos, all kind of things. Listen, it's not so we can point fingers and figure out who to blame. It is so we can turn to Jesus. And you're here tonight. You say, I... I need God. I want to get my heart right with God. If that's you, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, front to back, left to right. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need God. You lift up your hand all over this place. Just lift it right up high and hold it. I see that hand. How many more? You lift it up. I see your hand. Thank you in the back there. How many more? I see this hand, young man. Would there be others? You say, I need God. I see that hand. I just need God. I need a miracle on a Wednesday night, January 2021. You know what? I can get a miracle tonight. 17 years ago, I walked into church. I was not expecting to give my life to Jesus. I hadn't been in church in well over 12, 13 years, and I walked into church. Little did I know God had other plans. That may be you here tonight. You say, I'm just going to go, bro. Okay, fine. But tonight, God has your number. You lift up your hand. You say, I need G. I need God. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. Maybe you're backslidden. You're away from God. You know what it's like. Uh, Maybe you're that church kid or maybe, listen, God loves church kids. Uh, Listen, maybe you're that kid that you say, you know what? I've seen so much. I've seen things. People treat people a certain way. I've seen violations. Uh, I'm just, I'm done with it. Listen, if Jesus can endure the cross, Surely you can endure the violations of men and women. And tonight you say, you know what? It's not about people. It's about God. And I am going to come back to Jesus tonight. If you're a backslider, you know right. You know what's good. uh, But you're not living what you know. You lift your hand tonight. You say, pray for me, Pastor. I I need God tonight. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. All over this place. Lift it right up high where I can see it. And right back down. I see that hand. Thank you for that. I see your hand in the back there. I see your hand to my right, brother. Last call, last call. Anybody else, you, you want to join these? I see that hand in the back. You join these, you say, I need God tonight. I need God. Very well, then those of you who raise your hand, will you lift it up one more time for me? Will you lift it up high and hold it? You raise your hand, will you lift it up again and hold it? You have your hand raised. Will you lift your voice or lift your, will you stand to your feet tonight in acknowledgement to God? Just stand to your feet quickly. Just stand right where you are. You're standing. I want you to come. Just find a place to kneel and pray. We can spread out. But I want you to come and do business with God. Just come out of your seat. Just come out of your seat. Somebody can help them. Glory to God. Church, listen. You say, Pastor, why are we dealing? It's the issue of bitterness because we're worried about the wrong things. They can just pray right down there. He's going to pray with you, brother. God bless you. And I know I'm not minimizing disease or sickness, but, you know, the thing about bitterness is the devil won't have to take you out. You'll take yourself out somewhere. It's far more treacherous. And so we need to ask God, God, cleanse my heart to the pure. All things are pure. Let's all stand to our feet tonight. I want to open the altar. If you'll stand to your feet and you maybe want to come and find a place to kneel and pray. The question tonight is, could it be bitterness? Am I bitter? Is there any root? As I examine my heart, my life, what's the real issue? I know I'm angry. I know there's jealousy. I know, I know yeah, but, but could it be? There's a root of bitterness there. There's, there's something unresolved. Oh, the Let's just talk to God, church. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God.